Golden State Warriors basketball. This is the Mark Jackson Show. I don't go with what the norm is. My goal from day one is to not be an average coach. Pull up three. Good. Now here's Mr. T on the Sports News. It is indeed time for the Mark Jackson Show. Mark is presented by Stanford Hospital and Clinics, the official team physicians of the Golden State Warriors. To learn more, visit stanfordhospital.org and brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. For a local dealer, visit bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes. And now joining us, courtesy of the Ring Central guest line, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Mark Jackson. Jack, what's going on, man? All is well. Thanks again. Where would you rank Paul Bear in terms of <laughs> WWF managers? So thank you for trusting that I have a clue who he actually is <laughs> or was. But uh, I, I, I I agree with you when you talk about considered, you know, top, one of the top five uh, in the history of, of wrestling. Uh, he certainly is in a discussion with anybody else. <laughs> uh, good stuff. I don't know that I can ever look at one of his pre- or post-game interviews ever again because he can clearly BS on any subject. <laughs> No, I'm very familiar. I'm very familiar. Very familiar. Absolutely. <laughs> was that? And, it, and, and it's a, you know thoughts and prayers to his family. In all seriousness, he yeah. had a he had a heck of a run in wrestling. Did you uh, Did you follow WWF when you were younger at all? Yeah, I was a big time wrestling fan as a youngster. Who was your you favorite? Know, way back in, you know, uh, uh, Mighty Eagle uh, takes you way back. Um, you know uh, the. Um, Bobo Brazil, you know, back back in those That's days, way back. Uh, and then after that, you you know, I wasn't really um, what's the guy that was the champ for a long time? Looked well, like a regular guy, had uh, no business being the champ. Oh man, well you, you had the champs, you had Hulk, you had Bob Backlund. Yeah, yeah, Bob Backlund. Like, come on, man, he's not supposed to be the champ. You know? <laughs> I mean, that, that wasn't believable. Wow. You look at Hulk Hogan, you look at those guys, but Bob Backlund had a run as the champ. It just wasn't believable. I thought I'd see him at the supermarket somewhere. <laughs> hey, there's Bob in the express lane. <laughs> hey, Bob, that's more than 15. Get the hell out of the way. You ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> this is the best interview ever uh, in the history of sports. Were you a, a babyface guy or a heel guy? Because I, I enjoyed the heels more. Like I was a Paul Orndorff, a Rowdy Roddy Piper, Iron Sheik was fantastic. I, I always enjoyed the bad guys. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I didn't put that. I didn't put you on <laughs> a guy that would enjoy the bad guys more. Oh, I love of sarcasm. You were. <laughs> oh, how does sarcasm work? Do you ever try sarcasm during a timeout? Does that ever? Uh, does that ever work? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm a guy, as you know, that loves comedy and. Uh, I try to loosen the guys up with it at times in huddles or in practice. And, you know, there's a lot of sarcasm. You know, Jared Jack shoots an air ball. He, he stepped into it. He was in rhythm at the three-point line after knocking down two. And uh, Kent Bazemore on the sideline ready to do his dance. And it hits nothing but air and goes out of bounds. And to watch, you know, Kent Bazemore have to sit down like he got, you know, shot by a laser <laughs> was quite comical. Oh, did you? Because uh, I was thinking maybe after uh, after Festus last night, who did play a very very good game, very energetic, got on the board six and thirteen minutes. But after he pulled down that offensive rebound, 
I'm just wondering what Carl Lander was thinking, who was at half court when the ball came just rocketing toward him and almost got a back court violation. I was thinking you could have used something like, that was a hell of an outlet pass. Only problem was <laughs> we were on offense. <laughs> well, Preston, you know, he actually played, like you said, he had a, he had a great night. Yeah. But he was all over the place, great energy, uh, did a great job defending uh, that low post threats, defending the pick and roll. Uh, that one play, and the crazy thing is he had three options. There mm-hmm. were, you know, two perimeter guys by half court on, on, on both sides, and he decided to throw a bullet to call. Fortunately, <laughs> it wasn't a turnover. But I tell you what, Fessers looked like, you know, the guy that had started for us, and he had some life in his body. That was a crazy game, was it not? I mean, I'm sitting up there calling the game, and there were so many things that happened in that game that I don't remember seeing in a basketball game in quite some time, aside from the the lack of offense, which was surprising being that you both the two teams uh, can get up and down and score a little bit. It just was – did you get that feeling that it was just kind of a disjointed game, that the momentum wasn't really there on either side, and there were some turnovers that you wouldn't – you wouldn't expect, and just some things that happened in that game that you like, kind of scratch in your head, like, "Wow, where'd that come from?" Yeah, we were we were a little bit out of character, you know. Uh, I was sitting there waiting for us to put together a run, you know, what the good teams do playing against, you know, bad teams, quite mm-hmm. honestly. And you all of a sudden look up and you put a ten zero run, and you, you you got a double digit lead, and then you begin to separate yourself more. It never happened, but you got to give them credit. You know, they can score at every position. And uh, we did a good job of defending. We did, you know, at times we we turned the basketball over. I thought, you know, Tony Douglas did a very good job being disruptive, pressuring Steph and uh, trying to get the ball out of his hand. So it made it for a tough night. But I was really proud of the way my guys made plays when they had to. We got crucial stops. And then offensively we executed when it mattered most. And, you know, the biggest play where, you know, Clay knocks down a a, a wide-open corner jumper. How long would you have your players run in a practice the day after a game when they couldn't remember what basket they were defending? No, that's really, you know, that's that's an old-school mentality um, with all due respect. I don't, I don't think you get anything out of, you know, bring, them in, bring, them in, bring the guys in today and having them do suicides or running or 17s at the end of the day what will happen is it, you'll look like uh, you know a hardcore coach, but then you'll have a dead team come tomorrow night. It's late in the season. I got a young basketball team, guys that have played more basketball than they've played in their life. It's important to make sure that we pay attention, watch film, we talk about it, and we make the proper adjustments uh, from the mistakes that were made. You did see that play at the end of the Hornet-Laker game last night, didn't you? Yes, I did. They okie doked him. I mean, how can yeah, how does everybody miss that? You're defending the wrong bucket. Guess what? You and, and you can't bring them in and do suicides and seventeens with that because at the end of the day, what is the punishment? I mean, that that's clownish. And to not know where the best player on the floor is, the one guy you don't want catching the basketball, no matter which rim you think is yours and which one is theirs <laughs> and he winds up wide open is is really inexcusable hey if you're gonna make them run as a coaching staff you better run too and if that was if that happened with us uh, i would somehow uh play uh sick uh, uh not do the interview if we had to do it the next day <laughs> Mark Jackson. Or, or do 25 minutes on paul bearer instead of one <laughs> coast to costa rica exactly. for a week uh, does it matter to you uh 
there, you know, we got 20 games left in the season. Now you have 20 games left in the season. Uh, sure, you'd like to win. Like your well, let me ask you this because I wanted to get to somebody. I just thought of the the defensive aspect. What have you seen in watching film that the first two months are so dramatically different than this last month? Is there something tangible? Were you guys not quite as good as you were the first couple months defensively? Are you not as bad as you are in some games now, and not counting certainly last night? And I thought Toronto, you guys played okay defensively. Uh, a lot of free throws, and they hit some shots they might not normally hit. Bargnani was left open occasionally when he shouldn't have, but. Is there something you can point to and say this is we're not doing this like we used to do it? Well, last night I thought we were very good. Yeah. Individually and collectively. I thought we got into the basketball and pick and roll situations. Our big guys battled, they were more physical. Um so we got back to who we once were early on in the season. The difference is we're not playing at that level defensively, individually or collectively. We're not containing the basketball. We're not getting up and pick and rolls. Our big guys are not doing as effective job uh, protecting the, uh, the the dribble penetration and pick and rolls. And, and so it's a combination of, of all things. You know, it was a thing of beauty uh, early on in the season. We were on point with rotations, on point with securing the basketball, rebounding. One thing that has hurt us, you know, the last month or so is we've turned the basketball over and you allow teams to get it going in transition. Now it's a recipe for disaster because all of a sudden everybody feels like uh, they're hot and they're in rhythm because you turned it over and gave up transition points. So we got to do a better job. Um, at the end of the day, we will get it done, and we work on the, the right principles, the right habits. I just thought early on we had a, we were in better shape. We were more disciplined because the guys were committed in the off season. So uh, you saw that early on. Teams are you know are in rhythm and they're playing better, and we've got to be better. Are you at the stage of the season where when when there's a, a Utah or a Houston or a Lakers score or a Denver or Memphis score that you want to know about it as soon as possible? Or no. is that something that you, you've got staff for that? Yeah, but we, we, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not paying attention to, to, to those games. You know, those teams are, you know, behind us. So our job is to continue to win ball games. I, I, our destiny is in our own hands. You know, we control it. So there's no sense in me paying attention to, okay, well, what's the score here? Now, as a fan, as a guy that follows the game, I watch games and I pay attention as far as that's concerned. And I think it's entertaining and exciting for my guys to be in a playoff race and want to know, okay, what did the, what did the Jazz do or what did the Rockets do or what did the Lakers do, uh, you know, Portland or teams like that or even the teams in front of us right now. It's good to, to, to have a team that finally in in March they're paying attention to the numbers, uh, the playoff spots and all of that, so that's fun. But as a coach, I'm not really into that because I, I think it's a heck of a statement for these guys to be relevant at this time of the year, and it says a lot about how hard they work, how disciplined they are, and how bright the future is. I thought it was great, great defensive strategy by you guys last night, figuring out a way to make DeMarcus Cousins not give a crap for 20 minutes. <laughs> How did you do that? Yeah. Well, he's a, he's, yeah. Great, great talent, no doubt about it, but your seven-footer shouldn't be kicking it at the three-point line half the game on offense. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to ask you to talk about him because he's not your player, but uh, just just good strategy. That's all I wanted to say. Kudos on that. Did I tell you Did I tell you that I include The Rock with great wrestlers of all time? He's a, he's a, he's a discussion too. I thought he had a you smell. Wow. <laughs> 
Instead of the rock, we'll make it the jack. Maybe you can do that if you make the playoffs. Grab the mic and say, if you smell what Jack is cooking, and then drop the mic and walk off the court. Uh, I can tell you now that's not going to happen. <laughs> that, would be, that would be so awesome. <laughs> Just do a couple of minutes of Bobby the Brain yeah. before you leave. The younger, Jack, the younger Jack would have done that. My Clifford teammate yes. would have done that. Yes, absolutely. he absolutely would have, and he would have enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> absolutely. Never hey. lose that boyish charm. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this earlier about how fans, when they get a ticket to a game, they feel they're entitled to do and say whatever they want to, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. And we were talking about a situation up in up in Laramie, Wyoming, Jack, where Larry Eustace, the coach of Colorado State, dealt with alcohol issues like 10 years ago when he was at Iowa State and the fans were chanting alcoholic, alcoholic, which was way, way, way over the over the line, and we were saying that the opposing coach should grab the mic and say, you know what, stop it. You're embarrassing yourselves. You're embarrassing us. And that's, that, that, that is crossing the line. And we're wondering, from your standpoint as a player, what kind of stuff maybe you had to deal with or what was the worst thing you heard in the stands or somebody directed at you that you just had to, you know, bite your lower lip and play through? Well, not just as a player, but as an announcer and also as a coach. I'm sitting there. You know, every single night, and you know, you witness. There's some great yeah. fans. There's some witty fans. There's some the fans that come up with great stuff, and whether it be posters or sayings or chants, what have you, that's all fun, and, and I think it's great. That's part of the experience of going to the game. But there is a fine line. You know, just recently, uh, we were playing uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns, and there was a fan that said something out of line to Jermaine O'Neal, and I was standing there. And Jermaine O'Neal says, "Now." Nah, if you if I was standing you know at a grocery store and you were standing there, you would never say that because now you gotta deal with me with no security and it's one on one. But fans act like they could say and do whatever they want and it's disrespectful and I think as, as a society, uh, we are better than that. And and I I think it's important for the people in, in a position of authority, whether it be coaches, security or, or the home team. We've got to do a better job, not just in, in the NBA, but in sports in general, policing how people act and how they conduct themselves. What was your favorite memory, if you have one, uh, Ficker or Leon the Barber, who were the two ones, the two that I remember the most? Although one of the funniest things I heard probably wasn't one of the most PC things I've ever heard. Leon Barber, when we were in Detroit, yelled at us when I was playing with the Warriors. He said, you guys can't win. You're too white. You have too many white people on the court. <laughs> I looked up and there's Leon the Barber and everybody's just looking at him like, well, what do you expect? That's Leon the Barber. That's just kind of what he does. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm only second year in the league. I'll just roll with it and go out there and see if I can win a game. But did Ficker or, or Leon the Barber or anybody else, some of the more famous hecklers in the NBA ever say anything that made you laugh? Well, those two guys were great and, and they did it. You know, obviously they got under your skin, but it, it was in a respectful manner. It was entertainment. I can remember Ficker once, you know, held up a sign and it said I wasn't even the best Jackson and he, he named he named my wife and then he went on to name Tito and Randy and Jermaine and then, and, and he went down the whole list and and then Leon the Barber in Detroit one time playing the you know the Great Pistons team he yells at Bill Cartwright who was our backup center behind Patrick Ewan and he tells him to to immediately go in the back and brush his hair and when he said it we looked at Bill Cartwright's hair, and it was absolutely in need of a, a good brushing. <laughs> <laughs> but those were the days. I remember in Atlanta one time, Steve, well, you remember how Atlanta was, Jack, where there's, like, no fans there, and you can hear 
just about everybody. Steve Kerr said he was sitting next to Paul McKeskey, sitting on the end of the bench, and his super gay, I don't know if somebody's up 10 or 15, but it's super quiet. And all of a sudden, some dude from, like, the low section, he's, like, way up top, he yells at Paul McKeskey, Hey, McKeskey, where's your chin? Where's your chin, McKeskey? And Steve said he was sitting right next to him, and he was, like, cracking up, and he didn't want McKeskey to see him. But he couldn't stop, and then McKeskey punched him. He goes, what did I do? He goes, by the way, where's your chin? <laughs> oh, Ficker was the best, though, Jack. He, he yelled at me one game. He goes, when are you going to get in the game, Ray Tolbert? And I said, I don't know, but my name's Tom Tolbert, not Ray Tolbert. <laughs> and he, looked at, he looked at his, like, he got his little program out and looked at it and then looked at me and then looked at his program again and, like, didn't say anything for, like, like 30 seconds. And he looked at, okay, Tom Tolbert, when are you going to get in the game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a, was a great fan, a great memory. He was a piece of work. Yeah, yeah. but Tito? <laughs> exactly. I, 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 I got to have Tito beat. Killed you. <laughs> Just killed you with Tito. <laughs> hey, Jack, always a lot of fun, man. Congratulations on the uh, last two games. You got the Bucks and the Rockets coming to town Friday and this weekend, so we'll look forward to discussing that next week. Best of luck, and we'll look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Had a blast, man. Good talking to you guys again. All right, Jack, you take it easy. Head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Well, lots of ground covered there. Wrestling, basketball, verbal assaults. Tito and Paul Bearer, game over. Yeah. That's it. That, that, we will never top that one.